at that time, I was pretty confident that something would come because I had a great year. And then all of a sudden, you know, my agent at the time called me and says, I have USL League One offers for you. At that time, I was thinking more literally quitting soccer because to be fair, I'm not gaining anything. You know, I'm going down a league. I'm getting less pay. What's what's going on? You know, I mean, it's not even pay that's livable, to be fair. She was like, why don't you just just sign for League One and enjoy it for a year and then you can call it wraps so you can end it happily. And I was like, it's still unfair. And I know she was sacrificing a lot already. So to make her do that, go away from family for 10 grand a year, it's, it just wasn't right. That was our guest for today, LAFC midfielder, Danny Crisosimo. And my name is Omar Zini. Welcome to the Life Through Sport podcast. As you heard in the intro, Danny's career has led him through a roller coaster of emotions. From being told that having 100% passing accuracy in a game was not what the coaching staff was looking for, to working a second job all while balancing his professional responsibilities, to getting called into train with LAFC only to be offered a contract just a few days later. Danny has seen and experienced it all. And throughout the episode, you'll come to see that he is someone that bets on himself, trusts the process, and perseveres through thick and thin. Nonetheless, he, along with the support of his wife and family, has been able to turn even the smallest of opportunities into the biggest of victories. And I'm super excited for you guys to hear him tell his story. Once again, you're listening to the Life Through Sport podcast. My name is Omar Zini. Enjoy the show. Danny Crisosimo, how you doing? Good, brother. How you doing? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. Thanks for coming in. Nah, thanks for having me. I know. Season kicked off and preseason now, right? Yep. Preseason, a few weeks in already and season's right around the corner. I think we have like two weeks till our first game. Mm. So it'll be good. How many, what's your fifth year now as a pro? Sixth year? Fifth? Yeah, fifth. fifth. Year. I did two years in, or four years overall in USL and then, you know, up and down obviously MLS and then now first year completely with MLS, so. Has the off-season priority changed for you in terms of, is it like rest, recover, relax the mind a little bit? Um, Obviously, like I take like the first week, week and a half after season to just do whatever I want, you know, hang yeah. out with friends, just focus on not anything else but soccer. You definitely need that uh, mental break. Otherwise, you overwhelm yourself. But then right after that, like my body is asking for for the exercise, yeah. for the gym, for the runs that they give us and all that. So after that, I grind out our program that we usually have and yeah, that's it. And then just come right back into season. Yeah, it's hard to to shut it off. I was talking to Matt Sheldon and he was telling me that, you know, you take your foot off the gas because it's pedal to the metal the entire season. Take your foot off the gas for a week and you feel like you're falling behind. Who's working harder than me? What am I going to be uh, looking like on the first day back? So it's just like, is that, do you feel that constant pressure? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's like, Everyone at the end of the day, we're all teammates and stuff, but it's competitive. You yeah. know, if you don't come back sharp and somebody else comes in your position, comes back more fit, more sharp, it costs you. And it definitely gets inside your head because after a week, week and a half, like my body feels like, all right, you need to get back into it. Like it's, that's enough having fun and stuff. Obviously, you're less serious. You know, you can still go out and eat with friends, have more leeway in that sense. But overall, yeah, it's like straight back into it. Mm. And eventually you end up missing it. Like you're just bored at home. Like yeah. you just go do your workout and then you're at home. You know, you're not really doing much. So feels good to be back. Well, you know, you're five years as a pro now. I had a pretty good college career as well. But take me through uh, some of those earlier years for you and to give me a little bit of context that I need to understand who Danny Crisosimo is. I'm the youngest of three brothers. They're eight and seven years older than me. My parents are both born and raised from Peru. So soccer was the sport in our house, you know, ever since we were little. We'd watch it all the time. My dad would make us play all the time, and 
he understood that I can, you know, I can play a little bit. I actually love the game. So he dedicated a lot of time to training me with my brothers. He'd take me out and he would literally just tell my brothers to kick the crap out of me, you know, <laughs> so I could get used to yeah. that uh, physicality. But he did spend a lot of time on me. He'd come back from his two jobs and take me out to the park for at least an hour. Then, you know, keep playing different club teams, different experiences, family always going crazy on the sideline, how every <laughs> soccer player can imagine. And then, yeah, I mean, it just grew into something that I truly wanted to do. And I made that pretty clear to him that it was something that was important to me. I didn't want him to feel that he was forcing me to play, you know, because people end up like that. Soccer's not for everybody, and that's completely fine. Some people play for different reasons. But I was pretty clear on the fact that I wanted to do it for a living and wanted to do it like for as long as possible <laughs> you know you're a kid wanting to live the dream yeah and my mom was the the education one so she was strict on me in school if i didn't get straight a's she said i wouldn't be able to play soccer and she was pretty serious on that my dad was crossing his fingers like hoping say. yeah my dad was like please get straight a's <laughs> and I, to be fair like my mom helped me a lot like in school she'd come home after her jobs and then she would scan my textbook she scanned it so i could annotate it you know because in school you had to return your books so she'd do that and she had no idea what she was truly studying you know she's from peru they don't study the same things that they do over here english was a second language and she speaks it perfectly fine you know but it was like she would sit there with me for two hours every night doing homework making sure that i'm on top of my stuff am i learning it correctly she yeah. would test me she'd make little quizzes for me like she did everything possible obviously to a certain point i'm on my own but yeah, like she did everything possible to make sure I was good in school. And my dad kind of was about sports. So yeah, that was kind of the dynamic. And obviously my mom was still a supporter of soccer, but she understood that, you know, at that time, you don't think it's possible to go all the way slash you don't want your son banking on just one thing, you know, knock on wood, like get hurt, injured, break a leg, whatever. So it was a good balance growing yeah. up and that grew into now. I think you said your dad is just very passionate. I remember reading or seeing that your dad would go to the games and he'd be yelling at the players, referees, get kicked out. Yeah, so. he was uh, he was intense, you know. I mean, it's coming from a good place, though. Yeah. He kind of just knew what I could do. And if he didn't see me doing that on the field, it, it would frustrate him because it's not that I was wasting his time. He never felt like that. It was yeah. just the fact of why am I not pushing myself every chance I can. It was more of that. And he wanted me to succeed wanted me to win every game possible, play as well as I could possible, you know. I don't think he even imagined what the bigger picture was. It was just he knew I loved it and he knew that I could be good at it. So why not give 100% to it? And I think that's what his mentality was more than anything. It wasn't you need to become pro, you need to do this, you need to go to college. It wasn't anything like that. It was genuinely, look, you love this and you have an, a knack for it push yourself otherwise mm -hmm. you're wasting everyone's time it's kind of like helped me a lot in life in different aspects if you're doing something might as well just do it 100 percent. otherwise focus on something that you really want to do 100 percent. reflecting on those early years then at what point did you feel oh i could do something with this that's a good question i mean like you're young so you just think that oh you know the dream yeah i think when it really hit me as a reality was high school i never thought about college you know my parents were foreigners and just worked their way up. My oldest brother went to the Air Force right out of high school. And you know, my middle brother just worked right out of high school. So it just wasn't, I guess, the culture in our family needs it, you know. When I reached high school, I played, I started playing for a club team. I was on academy and then went to club. And the club coach pretty much just told me, you know, you could go to college like for this. And I, I just like laughed it off. I was like, I don't wanna like, all I thought about college was loan debts. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what everyone yeah. talks about. Like, why would I go to school and then still owe a lot of money. 
That's kind of what I was thinking. I didn't know much about it. And then he told me, he's like, no, like, if you do well enough, like, they'll give you a scholarship. Like, you don't have to pay for anything. And, you know, I also didn't want to put my family into that situation of making my parents feel bad of like, oh, man, like, we need to put a lot of money into it. And I know they would have. That's the thing. I know they would have done whatever they could possible, and I, but I didn't want that to happen. So my club coach just said, hey, like, Surf Cup's coming up. Do this. Email these coaches, blah, 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 you know, the whole whole scenario of it and I did and you know I got interest like right away and I was like wow this is like really cool like this is how it works I think they can't even reach out to you freshman year I think it's sophomore year once you can actually have that contact and then once I got to my sophomore year you know things started getting serious with colleges in terms of offers I think that's when you can verbally commit mm-hmm. you know I just still didn't think about going all the way pro yeah college college free college perfect I get yeah. to play soccer still for division one why not yeah uh, did you feel like that process for you was seamless or was there some, some trials there? For the most part, I, I don't feel like there was any bumps in the road. It was kind of, you know, lucky. I got offered. <laughs> I know exactly. I've heard, you know, people have many different experiences. Some people I emailed, for example, just say, you're not really our profile. So I guess those are the things you don't want to hear, but mm-hmm. you come to understand you're not everybody's player and that's fine. I guess the hiccup with UCI, like I verbally committed and the coach who brought me in, was leaving to Cal State Fullerton. It was mm. it was Coons. Coons yeah. yeah. So I was like, do I go to Cal State Fullerton with them, or do I go to UC Irvine? You know, do I just stick to where I'm going? So that was kind of, I guess, a little bump in the road. And then once I get to UCI, I guess the thing that was complicated was the scholarship. I just didn't understand like what money goes to what, what's housing, what are these type mm. of, are these loans? Are they not loans? I had to do the tax forms like from my parents. Like I had to fill everything out. So those were the confusing routes just because, you know, I have to go on the website. I have to fill out my information. I have to fill out my college application. Mm. It was kind of that whole learning curve. I was kind of figuring it out slash asking other people who their family, I've gone to college, so they kind of already know what's going on. And then once I got there, I thought everything was completely covered. And then I get a bill towards the end of my first quarter or like on your your account mm-hmm. and I see I'm being charged for my housing and I was like thrown off because it was a lot of money yeah. dorms are very expensive, <laughs> very expensive. Yeah. dorms are very expensive so we had a different coaching staff my first two years compared to my last yeah, two years and um I just called my coach and I was like hey, what is this why am I being charged like are you guys covering this I'm confused and he was like no I was like well you told me that everything was covered that means cover. That means I don't owe a penny. So like I'm so confused about why this is happening. And he's like, oh, no, we never said that. It was some conversation like that. I don't want to put any like words in his mouth. But pretty much he thought he communicated that very clearly to me. And I know what I heard because I would never go to college if I had to pay. Yeah. Like that was just the truth because like I explained earlier, I didn't want to do anything with debts and I didn't want to push my parents to pay for anything. So... I just told him, I was like, look, this can't happen. Like, I'm moving out of the dorms. I need you to cover this first quarter if that's possible, but I can't live here. And so that was, like, the very frustrating part. I ended up moving in with some seniors. I lived on their couch, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was because everyone had already their roommates, their setup for the year. So I moved out and then had to live on the couch for a whole rest of the year. And then from there, you know, obviously we lived in houses together. It was more more easygoing. And then once my... So then they up obviously like up my scholarship in a sense of to get that all sorted. So, yeah. but that first year was a little bumpy. It was a little trial and error. So <laughs> yeah, but so I mean you have George leaving the guy who recruited you. Then you got Chris Volk who's the head coach for two years. Then you got Yossi coming in. So you have maybe three people who have three differing opinions on how 
maybe your position plays, but also too how the team construct is. So was that something you had to navigate as well of like, maybe I need to prove continuously and constantly prove myself to these new voices and new people? Yeah, I mean, you first get there and you're so used to playing all the time and being like, not the star of your team, but sure. obviously like an important part of your team. Otherwise you wouldn't be going to college, getting scholarship. And then you get to college and then there's so many things outside of soccer that affect like you. You know, are you that coach's type of profile? Do you fit into their philosophy of how they play? Is that how they see the position being played? And then they start to compare you to, look, as much as coaches want to say, they have favorites. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the truth, you know, especially in college. So, you know, so they have their go-to guys. Does that mean they're better than you? No, it doesn't mean that. And it doesn't mean that you're better than them either. It's just a fact of they, that's who they're comfortable with. They've already had experiences with them. So it was like I would play almost every game of UCI my first year, not starting, you know, some games here and there, but mostly off the bench. And then conversations with the coach about what you can improve on. You know, there's that little immature mentality of, of you as a player as well. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about, but your ego's getting in the way and you learn from that. At least I did. So then reaching my sophomore year, I understood what Chris Volk wanted, implemented that. So I was starting a lot, playing more games. But still, there was hiccups of you're not doing what we want. And I didn't understand exactly, you know. And then he ended up leaving, getting to Yossi, and he required so much more than I expected. And very different style than Volk was. He was so particular in his details and what he wanted. And he literally told me the first day he saw me, you're too fat to play. He says, I think you're great. But he says, you just need to lose weight. He didn't mean it in a bad way. Sure. He's coming from like a real good place because he wanted me to just be more fit. So it got on me on that and required me to think about the game in so many different ways. And always I'm doing something for a reason. So many things that you, they don't teach you in club. And I didn't learn my first two years. It was more like so tactical awareness mm -hmm. in a sense of just how to play my position. Volk, for example, saw me as a six. And Yossi saw me as an eight, which I feel I can play both. You know, neither one's correct or wrong. Yeah. It's just they saw me in different ways in their system. And it's kind of you have to understand how to fit into that and blend in with someone else's philosophy because you're not the coach. Yeah. So it's either you do whatever you think is right and not listen to your coach and then you're just on the bench. Yeah. You know, which is it's tough because I feel like you're not you're losing your identity on the field because you have your brothers and your dad like hey, why don't you do this? Like, mm. you know, you're not playing like yourself. And it's tough because sometimes you feel like that, but you have to understand if like you don't do what the coach wants, like why would he play you? Why would he not play someone who's going to do what he wants mm. on the field? So it's yeah. it's kind of learning the pros and cons of every coach and what they require. And, you know, also having a coach that trusts your, your ability and your freedom in certain parts of the game. And I feel like Yossi helped me a lot with that. In this part of the field, very strategic, very structured, yeah. very disciplined. Intentional. But exactly yeah. kind of in the build up closer to your goal mm. once i get into the final third then it's me take risks gamble a little bit it's fine yeah it's kind of just finding what what works within the system that you're in yeah for most people who don't know college soccer too much you really just have your your trainings in the morning and then it's kind of like a pro style you have school obviously but you go home and you don't really do too much so in those initial years in your freshman year when now the new reality maybe is setting in and you kind of hit with that adversity that maybe you hadn't had so what were those, I guess, late nights? Was it you talking to your brothers, your dad, and your parents and saying, hey, this is not the place for me? Or were you like, this is the exact situation that I need to really see what I'm made of? I think my first year was very hard. Like I said, like I wasn't playing as much as I wanted to be and like sold on the dream. You know, we really see you coming in and fitting in well with our midfielders and starting playing a lot. 
and that wasn't the reality. So that was tough, and it was kind of like, why am I here then? Why why not go somewhere where they'll play me? And it's complicated because if you transfer within your conference, you can't play the next season, something like that. Yeah, There's so many of these like rules and <laughs> aspects. And okay, now do I want to go through the same thing somewhere else because someone else is gonna try to sell me the dream too, and what's gonna come of it? So you know, obviously, there's conversations with my dad, and my brothers, and it's like it's tough mentally because you think you're doing everything right. And I always did work hard, but it just, it wasn't panning out and it was frustrating me. So I kind of just kind of gave myself two options. You know, you're gonna back out or you just grind through it. And I chose to grind through it. And it wasn't like a disrespect. It was kind of like, all right, I'm gonna prove him wrong. He thinks this, all right, watch. Now I'm gonna give him every reason to not bench me, you know? And that's what happened my sophomore year. I did everything that he wanted and more and incorporated a little my own identity into it. And it paid off. But yeah, there's definitely times where you struggle with the fact of why are things not going how you want them to because you're so used to doing it like that when you're little. Then all of a sudden reality hits you. You've, you've gone to somewhere bigger and now you have to do that whole process of what took you your childhood to do again. Mm -hmm. But now you have to do it in a short amount of time. And then, you you know, that's what happens everywhere. The higher you go, it's the same thing. And it's... Sometimes, like, yeah, you question yourself, like, why do I do this to myself? Why do I kill my body for not being re rewarded, you know, as much as you want to be? I and mean, I think the reward, obviously, for everyone is playing time. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how you see what you're doing is working. If you're a player that's completely fine with every game, everywhere you go, being on the bench, I just don't think, like, that's right. Yeah. You know, I understand that you're not going to be a starter everywhere. That's completely fine. But, you know, there's a competitor in you that wants to fight and mm -hmm. you know so you go through those mental mental challenges of why do I do this to myself yeah. why do I keep grinding and for nothing and and so there's always those moments yeah. yeah that's an identity crisis sometimes too of like you're saying you have all those years that lead to you forming the person and identity of a player that you've become and then all of a sudden somebody is telling you hey this identity that you formed is no longer justifiable for you to start I think those are the, the harsh realities that we all have to face at times. And I know for a fact in your pro career, you've had to deal with that. But I know you end up becoming a, I mean, probably pretty good starter for UCI. So a lot of those sacrifices and things that maybe you started to adjust about your sleep schedule and about your, uh, the, the food that you eat and what you consume on a daily basis, those things start to give you, I guess, reason to feel confident in your process. So your process going into junior, senior year, now are you becoming a leader, a starter, and first name on the team sheet, or how was that? Yeah, so as soon as my junior year hit, like that's where I felt my responsibility was, and that's when Yossi had already come in and kind of uh, clarified that role for me as well. You know, after a few weeks getting to know the group, we had a conversation just kind of what my role was in the team, and I felt I could be that leader and I could be that guy for the team. You know, I've, I already had two years under my belt in college, I felt comfortable. I knew what I needed to do. I knew what the level was at. So I knew what I needed to improve on. Mm -hmm. And I, I was fine with that responsibility. Like I wanted it. I tried my best. Junior year was my first time leading the team. So you learn things. Uh, you also understand that, you know, you just can't take days off, like in a sense of in training. As a leader. Exactly, as a leader. And you can't have that attitude problem. You know, you want a leader who has an attitude. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying in the sense of, Something that's disrupting the group. Sure. Compartmentalizing a little yeah, bit. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because me and Yossi have had plenty of times where we go at it, like in the middle of training, arguing. And it's not disrespectful. It's like we're arguing something about the game. I'm not saying no one should listen to you or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's more of I had that role to be that voice for the players and, you know, speak my opinion. And he was an understanding coach of 
he was tough too, you know, he'll give it back. But he also understands like where I'm coming from. And it was good to actually have a coach that understood me, like where I'm coming from. I don't come with a bad intention. It's just, I love what I do. So I'm going to be a little more intense and passionate about it. And sometimes it may come off in a bad way, but it's not. So yeah, that's kind of where it, it turned for me in that sense. And, that's great. you know, it developed into something good. Yeah. So now you go into that last season. Is there aspirations and ambitions to go play professionally? Yeah. I already thought about it. And I know other players in past like UCI history, you know, that's mm-hmm. obviously what you look at. Sure. I've done it as well. And I was like, I want to be one of those guys. I didn't just work, change these habits, go through all this crap for nothing, in my opinion. You know, like I said before, every player has their own route and that's completely fine. But the route I wanted to take was to push it to another level. So in my senior year, I really wanted to have a great season. I wanted us to win as a team to be successful because nobody's going to look at your team if you're not doing well. No matter how good of a player you are, mm-hmm. nobody's going to want a good player from a team that loses every game. That's just the reality. I'm not knocking anybody. It's just that's how it is. That's how it works. And I understood that finally. So yeah, going into that senior year, I was like, I want to have a great season. So I did everything to make sure that would happen. And we did. We made it to NCAA playoffs, which was my first time in the four years mm. doing it. So that was cool. Does that experience and now you guys make a good run and you guys are successful, did that translate to any offers uh, post-college from teams or interest? So that's the weird part. Like I didn't understand how the draft worked, right? I didn't understand exactly anything like that. So I never got called into the draft, which I, I didn't understand because I did get like big West midfielder my senior year and we're winning. We play good. So I was expecting something, at least an invitation, you know, just to give me a shot, but it didn't happen. So how did that sit with you there? I was pretty upset. Yeah, I was pretty upset because I just didn't understand like why. And also you see other people who go into the draft. Again, not to knock any of those guys. Yeah, I'm it's just, than that guy. Yeah, it's just like you look at them and be like, I don't get that. So yeah. you're telling me they're banking on him rather than you. Mm-hmm. You know, again, that's where the, your, your ego comes in. Yeah, so it, it pissed me off. But there's nothing you could do about it. It's out of your control. So I had worked hard in school so I could finish right when my fourth season ended. So instead of going to school for six months after, I wanted to be done wow. right away. So I was taking like six classes every quarter I'd ask like special permission in order to take that many units I ended up doing summer school so that I could finish all my units faster because it's right when teams are signing people preseason and all that so right after college nothing was coming across nothing and then all of a sudden I got invited to a San Jose Quakes combine the invitational so I went there and that's when they were affiliated with Reno also from the USL. So I went there and I, I played great. You know, I felt like I, I showed strongly and they were happy with me as well. And they offered me to go to, to Reno on trial. I had conversation with the coaches in the sense of, is it a trial or is it like a contract offer in a sense, you know, and they hit you with that. It is a trial, but from our talks, it was confident that something positive would come from it. So I was literally waiting to go to Reno. I was just staying fit. And then uh, Yossi calls me. He's like, hey, like, OC is having this little tryout combine thing. If you want to go, I was already in the area. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'll just go try my best, stay fit, see what comes of it, you know. But I was still, I already had my flight booked to Reno and all that. So I go, I do well. And I think at that time, OC already had like five midfielders signed for the following year. So I was like, ah, there's no way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're already comfortable with their group. I understood that they already have their roster. And they were like, train with us for a week or so, and we'll give you an answer. And it was literally the following, before they, that day, they told me the following day I was supposed to fly to Reno. After training, I was like, dang, like, what do I do? Because Reno seems almost guaranteed from our talks. Like, they're literally like, look, we really want you. We just need to see you for, you know, like, 
obviously selling us the dream again, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it, it was a very good talk and they were very honest guys that were working there. So I felt it felt genuine. And I was like, but do I stay in Orange County and just gamble it? So I was tossing and turning about it. And I was like, dang. So I called the Reno guy the night before I'm supposed to leave. I was like, hey, this is the situation. You know, I'm very sorry, but I think I'm going to gamble with OC. And he was very understanding. And he literally said, if it doesn't work out at OC, just call us and you'll fly up the next day. And so he's very understanding. So that was good. So I stuck it out with OC. And then they told me one day, like after training, pulled in all the guys that were trying out still and said, you know, yeah, we're going to sign you. And I was like thrilled. You there know, that, I was like ecstatic. It, uh, I mean, it panned out. It was a risk, but. I mean, it was worth it. Break down that first season for me, though. What did you expect versus what you got? And how did you manage the expectation from the coach of you and your expectation of yourself? When I first got to Orange County, like, obviously, there's a difference between the quality of players and speed of play. But the good part was I didn't feel like I was out of place. Like, I didn't feel like this is too much for me. Right. I was like, OK, it is quicker. Give me a week and I'll like get the rhythm down. The different coaching styles, it was very different. Like I said, Yossi was very detailed, very tactical awareness position you know mm. stuff like that when i got to orange county it was a little different different style as well english no like more rich chaplow who's now the head coach there he was the assistant so he was english and then the head coach was uh he was american Braden. and it was just different you know it's like channel ball can we find the target fast and then runs in behind we had the players to possess we had a really good group of guys but you know that's how the coach wanted to play and that's what we did you know, I remember actually, it's just going to be an interesting thing, but our first game of the season was at Reno away and it was like a light snow. It was freezing. <laughs> yeah. And I'd never experienced that being on the West coast all the time. You're probably like, thank God I didn't come. Yeah. Here. We were still on the West coast. And I was like, <laughs> why is it snowing here? Like, I was so confused, but whatever. So we went and I started, I played the whole game. It was a wild game. We were down 2-0, tied 2-2. Right. And I had a great game. Like, you know, I felt like I was threading balls and through, I was breaking up play. Like I felt great. And then we get back, you know, you have your day off, you report to training like a day or two later, whatever it was. And one of the guys that's supposed to help with player development there, he pulls me in and he goes, let's just go over your game. I was like, okay. He's like, cool. That's fine. That's awesome. You know? You're probably thinking, yeah, he's going to tell me how great I did. Yeah. But like, I honestly felt like, you know how you you can be delusional sometimes, but I truly felt like I had a great game. And, you know, especially for my debut, I felt like I did great. And he tells me, he's like, you know how many passes you missed? I was like, I was trying to think. Like, I was like, I don't think I missed one. Like, maybe one, if anything. He says, you missed zero. He's like, so you had a 100% success rate out of, you know, 20, 30, 40, whatever the passes were, you know. And he says, we don't want that. Because I was playing the six. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, I was playing forward in between lines. I was rotating. I don't understand like, what you're talking about. He says, it's not what we're looking for here. We need you to just put the ball in behind into space. That means that you're taking more risk and giving us more advantage. I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I was so confused, like yeah. because for Yossi, that was a, that was great, you know. Especially if obviously you can get a hundred percent success rate if you just keep passing back, 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 back. But I was, you know, I was splitting lines. I was doing my job. But yeah, that's what he told me. I was pissed off after that. I don't even know what that means, and I go into to talk to the to the guys, you know, that's what you do. You know, you you yeah. vent, you yeah, know, yeah. you vent to your players. Players vent to each other. It was bad that I didn't miss a pass because that means I didn't play enough channel balls. Pretty much just giving guys no chance to even get it, like 50-50, because everybody in the league's fast. Yeah. So they're like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's wild. And, and that literally became 
like a problem for them in the sense of I'm not putting balls in behind. It just wasn't me like as a player. I understand. Yeah, you hit a ball in behind when it's yeah. on, it's on. But it was kind of sometimes just most of the time just, okay, ball comes from the outside back square, you hook it, you know, hook it over. Give That's the the thing that we discussed, yeah. you know. It's not to knock these coaches or anything like that. It's just I didn't understand it. It's almost like a pattern. They don't really want you to, to be – like Yossi, maybe he said, yeah, play the six, but when you get into the eight position, go ahead and, or like that attacking side, mm-hmm. go ahead and have your own identity and your own flair to it. Here, it's like, don't even think about if you cross the line, <laughs> you're getting the ball, you're whipping it to the to the channels. That's it. That's all you're going to do. So. Yeah, exactly. It was just something so foreign to me that I just couldn't wrap my head around. And after every game, they're like, still not enough channel balls, not enough channel balls. Wow. And it's just, okay, like, what do I do? Like, I don't get it. I'm, I'm winning balls. I'm splitting lines. They're like, yeah, but these are five, 10 yard passes in between lines. And I was like, but he's like starting to drive now. You know, if you split him, he can drive and dribble. We don't want that. So it was hard. It was, it was very tough. Again, not knocking anybody. No, of course. But it's just like, I didn't understand it. And I didn't agree with that style. So again, like you go through that whole college thing. It's a different philosophy. What adjustments did you have to make? I mean, I literally just started hitting more <laughs> balls, try to hit more balls in behind families watching they're like what are you doing why are you doing that you yeah. know but it's like i was starting for the first half of the season and then all of a sudden i was benched i tried to have conversations with the head coach and he was just like i, I don't have time and you know what you're doing wrong and i was like i, I truly don't i'm trying to have a conversation with you yeah. like a little guidance or something like that and you're not going to get along with every coach that's the truth and i've i've learned that yeah. you're not going to have a positive experience or or anything like that you know the, the players were great fans were great coaching staff is great and stuff it's just you're gonna have bumps and you're gonna have people who just don't like you and that's what I felt in the sense I had to try I tried to change like how I was playing and it was tough got benched what can I do wouldn't have an open conversation and you know same thing not enough channels not enough channels I'm like I don't understand like we're just losing the ball like a lot of times when we would hit that ball and you know, we didn't even do well that first year. I was going to say, if at least you guys are getting the results, maybe it's an easier easier buy-in from you. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was tough. It was interesting in that way. And then same thing happened second year. Like, I came back, you know, obviously, at first year under my belt. Second year, it was the COVID year. So we, mm. we did our home opener, started the home opener. And then all of a sudden, uh, hey, guys, we're going to take next week off because there's a virus going around. And that turned into what we, yeah. so many months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that you can't even imagine, right? And at that time, we were they shortened the season by a lot of games. I think you only played within your area. Mm-hmm. You play everybody twice, three times, or four times, something like that, something crazy. And so I was starting all the games. And for the first half of the season, we didn't lose one game. We were in first place. We were rolling. We were beating everybody, tying, if anything, like minimum like two games. You know, we're rolling. And I was with the starting squad playing every minute, and then I get benched. Right? Why? I don't know. So I, that's why I was confused. So I got benched. Again, I'm asking myself the same thing as the first year. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, what am I doing that they don't want now? We were just winning every game. I'm not saying we're winning because of me. But as a coach, you want to keep a winning group together. You want to keep that 11 that's getting the job done. And then, yes, you filter in people because you you need some depth off the bench for minutes. Like, at the end of the game, that makes sense, yeah. you know? But I felt healthy. I was fine. I was fit. I was still young. So, like, my body could take it. And then he benched me, and then we started losing. And I'm not saying it's because of me that we started losing. It's just you could tell that 
we were flowing together as a group. So I asked the coach, I was like, I don't understand like why I'm not playing. And at this time I had more guts and more sure. attitude, personality. I'm like, hey, like be straight up with me. Like what's going on? He's like, well, we're, we're playing better football now. And I was like, well, we're losing. We've lost four games in a row now. And still I was on the bench. And we went from first place and we finished off the whole year not making playoffs. Wow. And that was like with, yeah. So it took a flip like that. And I generally feel there was nothing I could do from our conversations. He, it was always some, something else, you know, something that's like out of the blue. They're like, oh, well, you, you don't win enough tackles. And I was like, well, what tackles did I miss? You know, stuff like that yeah. or like this stuff and that. You know, I was, I was literally giving him every excuse not to play me. And then, you know, the year ends and you have your end of the year meeting. And it was like a great talk with like the front office of, yes, we want you back. And then you get to off season and then all of a sudden, oh, we're not going to end up sending you the contract. Jeez. Yeah. So it's stuff like that that you just face. And Tell me about that experience. I mean, that's that's like, a, again, I talked to Matt Sheldon and we were talking in the off season sometimes mm-hmm. where it's, it's so tough for coaches and for management, right? They sell you on, we are a family. But it seems like no matter who I talk to nowadays, there's always that club or people that say, you're our guy, we want you back. A few weeks go by, radio silence, and you're kind of going, yo, like, I, that conversation was so long ago, but I, it's still fresh in my mind. Exactly. Like, so it's pretty much the year ended, and everyone has their end-of-the-year meetings. So I had my meeting with the coaches. You know, they were all happy with me, except I remember the head coach at the time who ended up getting fired the following year. He brought up one play that I messed up on out of the whole year, right? Obviously, strong, you mess up on, on a lot of plays. Don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong. But he literally, all he did was bring up one specific play during our meeting. He was like, you remember that game against uh, blah, 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 when you didn't track him and this happened? That's all he said to me. And I was like, I was like, you're going to bring up one moment. You know, at that time, like, I was going to speak my mind. Like, I didn't, you know, nothing why am I there? Yeah, yeah, I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you're going to bring up one moment out of the whole year, like, that makes no sense to me. Why don't you bring up the fact that we were winning and then we just didn't make playoffs because you started changing, you know, players, you know? I wasn't the only one, too. I think it happened to one or two other guys. And the weird part was I was getting different messages from every coach. Like, I had a great connection with Richard Chaplow, who's the head coach now. He's a great guy. He had an honest conversation with me as well, just saying, like, you know, he thought I was a great player and stuff like that. He thought I did well. It's just, he's assistant. It's not his, he can't decide exactly who's going to, at the end of the day, be on the roster, yeah. you know, or be playing. Then I go in to talk to the front office, and it was a great talk. Because I tried to get out of the coaches, are you guys going to offer for next year? And the head coach didn't want to give me. He was like, well, we'll see. That's what he told me. I was like, okay. Then I go to talk to the front office, like the general manager, director of operations. And uh, it was a positive talk. Like They're like, we're really happy with you. Or obviously things didn't go how you wanted to this year, and we understand that. But we want you back 100% for next year. We'll be sending out a contract within a week or so, two weeks. So just sit tight. And I was like, perfect. I went back home, told my girl, looks like I'm staying here. She's from the area too. So she was like, awesome. Like, I'm happy for you. Two weeks go by, nothing. A month goes by, nothing. I get a call one day from the general manager. He's like, hey, are you still living in the apartments? You know, the apartments that they gave us. And I was like, yeah, I'm still living there. Like, I was confused. Like, I was (laughs) like, am I not supposed to? Like, a lot of guys are. And at that time, they were already having trainings. It was still early in off season, but they had like, optional trainings but I'm out of contract like I'm not gonna go get injured and then without a contract you know what I mean so I took that perspective of understanding like 
my body is my job now. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll go because they were telling me to go. And I was like, I'll go once the contract signed, you know, just to play it safe. I don't want to get hurt because of some silly thing, you know. So, yeah, general manager me one day, which I was like, he's supposed to call my agent. Like general manager shouldn't call you straight away, you know, especially about something serious. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, she's still an apartment. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I was like, why? He's like, he's like, well, I need you. You have two days to move out. That's oh what he goodness. said, like that, genuinely. He says, you have two days to move out. I was like, oh, like, I need to move apartments, you know. Maybe they're moving housing around. That's what I thought. Because it caught me so off guard. And I was like, oh, like, where am I moving to? He's like, no, you need to move out of that whole complex within two days. And I was like, is this your way of telling me you're not sending me the contract? Because our conversation was that you were. Mm-hmm. And you had conversations with my agent as well that you were. He was like, yes, this is my way. Like, you haven't even been going to our trainings. I was like bro and i was like why would i go why do you want me to go like i'm not you're not paying me to go yeah. you know i don't work for free anymore like no player works for free and so that was literally the talk and i said and this was during prime covid right so at the time the only place i could move back was with my family and my grandma was living there who's i think she was like 90 at the time mm. and i was like well i need two weeks to like quarantine myself so i don't go back home and infect her you know what I mean? I don't want to even risk it. Like, I honestly haven't been seeing that many people, but I have. And that that time, you couldn't even test for COVID. Like, you didn't even know if you had it or not. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. So I was like, I need two weeks minimum, you know? And I was like, honestly, you should call my agent about this. This should be you to my agent to me. Mm. You know, that's the kind of, that's why I have an agent. He's a middleman. Yeah. We got in an argument over the phone and I was just like, well, look, I need two weeks because I don't want to get my grandma sick. And he was like, that's just not my problem. So you have two days to move out. And I was like, uh, I'll, I'll move out in two weeks, I told him. So I stayed there for two that's how That's how it ended, Yeah, pretty much. It's nothing against the fans or the group, but you do face people like that. Yeah. Um, that's your first Yeah. That's your first experience with exactly. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Even the wild part of it, they tried to tell me that I couldn't even bring my girlfriend into my apartment. He even called one of my roommates who was kind of an, a vet in a sense. He was like, oh, make sure Danny doesn't bring his girl and explain to him why and... He tried to tell me if my girl wants to come, who's my wife at the time now. She's my wife now, but she's my girlfriend at the time. If she goes into your apartment, you guys can only hang out in the living room for an hour, and then you have to go hang out in the pool area. And try to tell me all this stuff. And I was man. like, yeah, I'm a grown <laughs> man. Like, I was doing this in college. Like, you're, like, nobody can tell me like that. And, you know, and he wasn't telling other guys that. Other guys had their, their girls living there and stuff, and he knew, but whatever. So it's just stuff like that. Like, yeah. you face all these things, and that transpired to what it was. Yeah. So it was, it was rough. It got, at that time, that's where I faced probably like the hardest time in my career for sure. Again, it opens up an opportunity now, as bad as that was for you to yeah. continue your career with Las Vegas Lights. It was a new chapter for, for LAFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my first year with Las Vegas as well. So kind of transitioning into that, that now, how, how long before that conversation you move out and then now the call comes from Vegas or was your agent moving behind the scenes or? Yeah, so it was the COVID off season. So the season had ended shorter and they were pushing the start date of the next season back. So it was like a very long off season. So me and my girl ended up moving back in with my family, which isn't ideal, but it was just like silence, like radio silence. Obviously my agent was trying at the time for stuff. Things fell through with USL clubs. You know, we want him, we like him. We're gonna send an offer. Okay, oh, we're not gonna send an offer. We found mm-hmm. someone else. You know, stuff like a lot of that stuff was happening in the USL. And at that time, I was pretty confident that something would come because I had a great year. 
I was starting a lot. Obviously, that was on the bench, but you know, I felt like I did two years. You know, something will come. Yeah. Was it any opportunity you you have to sign? You'll go, or was that experience with OC saying I need to find a club that that shares my same view on the position? I did want to join a club that I would want to play for that has a similar playing style. So that's what I was first focused on. But then nothing was coming across the table. So nothing USL. And then all of a sudden, you know, my agent at the time called me and says, I have USL League One offers for you. It's no knock to the league or people in that league. It's just not what I wanted, like, for me. And I wasn't going to go, you know, I mean, the USL doesn't pay you much. And USL League I mean, at least when you first start out. And USL League One wasn't going to pay you much either. At that time, I was thinking more literally quitting soccer because three months had gone by and all I was getting USL League One. And they're telling me, hey, why don't you come over here for a thousand a month? And I was like, well, I have. And then I got engaged as well during that COVID offseason. So I was like, well, I have my fiance now. Like, am I really going to make her move her life for me to earn what? USL only pays you 10 months, I think, out of the year for 10 grand a year. That's just not what I wanted. The reality started hitting for me. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call it like raps because I'm not going to go move, sacrifice. You know, she has her bachelor's. She was getting her master's. You know, she had a good job here. It's not thinking about myself anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's it's more to it. Like, it's unfair to make my fiance or wife at the time, you know, wife change her life for me for, to be fair, I'm not gaining anything. You know, I'm going down a league. I'm getting less pay. What's what's going on you know i mean it's not even pay that's livable to be fair at oc the pay wasn't even livable like i was working a second job during both my years there wow so it's like why would i do that you know to her so at that point it hit me of the sense of it's time for me to call it reps think about something else what can i do here you know so i hit that part for like a month literally a month of just thinking i'm, I'm literally done playing soccer and it killed me because, you know, I talked to my wife about it. It was just, it's not, I didn't think it was going to end. Like, I didn't go into this off season. Like, that's it. That's my last year. Mm-hmm. And she was like, why don't you just just sign for League One and enjoy it for a year and then you can call it wraps so you can end it happily. And I was like, it's still unfair. I didn't want that. And it's still unfair to her. Mm-hmm. And I know she was sacrificing a lot already. So to make her do that, go away from family for nothing, it's it just wasn't right. Yeah. And then... All of a sudden, I was training at this place called Hype Training with Josh Hill and Edwin. Josh Hill was, like, trying to get me places and stuff. Not as an agent, just literally as a friend, you know, as a, as a guy that just wanted to help players. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't want anything in return. And then all of a sudden, he said, hey, sit tight. Because I told him I was thinking about quitting, you know. He's like, sit tight. Something's going to come your way real soon. He wouldn't say what. He didn't say anything in specific. And then I get the call that LAFC 2 was going to be a thing or, like, the affiliation with mm-hmm. Vegas. So I got that call and that they were interested and, you know, they were offering me, like, something great and a great opportunity, and I was stoked. And then I was even more stoked when I found out we're staying here in L.A. Yeah. So I was like, awesome. Like, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, like, this is great. So everything, like, from being probably at the lowest point mentally for me, it was it was very hard to going to that from yeah. one week to the next. Yeah, It was a relief. It felt like a weight off my shoulders. For sure. I mean, you got you got to yeah. lean on lean on your family sometimes, and they understand that they need to step in and say, "Hey, look, you're you're too close to this right now. Step yeah. away for a second, exhale, and let's give you a little bit more perspective." Sounds like your wife, and I'm sure your family did that for you. Then, yeah, my wife was just she was super understanding. Like she understood she understands I love soccer, and it's it's very hard for a soccer player to play this for so many years and then give it up and then change their whole lifestyle pretty much. So she was excellent. She talked me through a bunch of stuff. Was there for me. You know, and it was great to know that she was willing to sacrifice a lot 
And I feel like you need that in your partner, especially in, as a soccer player, because they do sacrifice a lot. You know, they move with you wherever you go. They have to change jobs, start thinking about things. What if you have a baby and stuff? So mm-hmm. it was good to have someone there for me that she just understood me, who I was, but it was also very supportive and understanding of yeah. whatever I felt was right. Great first year, though. I know Las Vegas, it, uh, the travel we've, I've discussed this a bunch and I'm sure from a player's perspective, I had Steven on last week and we reflected on it, but, uh, just having, I don't know, four hour bus ride out, four hour bus ride out after the game. We didn't very, we didn't win very much. We had Steve Chirundolo, who's now your head coach at LAFC, but we had him and we lost 23 games. It was for a lack of a better phrase, a shit show. <laughs> it was yeah, tough, it was rough. but you continue your career. You still have an opportunity to play and you were, you played considerable amount for us, but then that also leveraged an opportunity where LAFC, the first team, needed players to train, but also to, at some point, they needed a player to sign. So take me through, I guess, that early starts of the Vegas partnership, and then you transitioned to the first team. Yeah, I mean, I was excited. Like, it was, you know, you're going to have an MLS organization constantly being around you, you guys going up and down. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, it's all I've ever wanted. And it's just a great opportunity. You know, at that time, Bob Bradley was the head coach and he came to watch our training. And you're like, dang, that's crazy. You know, because <laughs> LFC was a successful team, yes. successful club. A group of guys were great. Coaching staff was awesome. Steve did a really good job our first year of making sure that, like, you know, everyone's family, what he's transpired to everywhere he goes and anyone you talk to, that's what his kind of philosophy is, you yeah. know? And then one weekend, I think it was, I don't know, maybe 10 games into our season with Vegas or something like that. We were actually doing well. I remember we were in like fourth place. We did have a bumpy start. I think we lost like the first like two, three games or something yeah. like that. But then we kind of went through a pretty yeah. good stretch. And then uh, I got the call to go train with the first team one weekend when I was supposed to have a day off. Like I was supposed to have two days off because like the travel kills us. So yeah, we needed yeah. that, right? So yeah, I remember I was in the apartment and then I get a text or a call, I think it was maybe. Of like, hey, by the way, you're training with LAFC tomorrow morning. I don't know how many days, but no problem. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't care about the day off. I'll yeah. be there, you know. So I went there, and then I think I trained there for three to five days or something like that. And then I had a talk with Bob. He was like, we're going to transfer you onto our roster. And I was very confused because I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. It was very vague. And this happened all within like one day. It was literally right after training. He talked to me. Wow. I'm literally showering. I'm about to go just get my food to leave. And then uh, Will Koontz, who was the assistant general manager at the time, he pulls me aside. He's like, hey, Danny, like, just want to say congratulations. We're going to offer you this. And I was like, I was like shocked. Like, honestly, I think when he told me, it probably seemed like I wasn't excited. But I was just like, wow. I just came to train for a few days because I thought you guys just needed numbers. Then all of a sudden he says, sit tight, give me 30 minutes. Can you just hang out for 30 minutes? Because we're writing up the contract 30, and stuff like an that. hour, two hours, whatever you need. Yeah, bro. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I was like, I'll be right here. And then literally that day, I'm signing the contract, doing the physicals, had to go to the doctors for the physical. I was doing everything within like, you know, a little time frame. And then it was so much to even take in. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taking your photos in the jersey right away. It was wild. Uh, I remember calling my wife. You're not going to believe like what just <laughs> happened. Because like she was so uh, positive about it. She yeah. was like, when you're going to go train, she's like, oh my God. What if they sign you and this, this, and that? And I was like, I'm not even thinking about that. <laughs> I'm just focused on just training well and, yeah. you know, like enjoying that experience. So then I called her. I was like, I can't believe it. She was like, shut up. Like, <laughs> you know, she was like, shut up. She was, I think she was um in the middle of her work day. And I call her and she just starts crying when oh. I told her the news. Like, she was just like so happy and proud of me. She's with um, you the whole time too, right? Like Yeah, she's been with me through thick and thin. Whatever you're feeling, yeah, whatever yeah. you're feeling emotionally, she probably is obviously oh, yeah. helping you, but also she's that she's carrying that weight as well. Yeah, she's gone through the 
the slumps with me, the highs. So she's experienced it all. So it's kind of, she's been on that journey too with me. And she was happy that it paid off. Not paid off, but in the way that I've achieved what I wanted to now. That's kind of how it all happened. And from one day to the next, a lot of stuff changed. So it was yeah. great. I think it sucked for us at Vegas because we were like, <laughs> oh crap, we just lost <laughs> probably our best player. And that was a, a little bit of a shock to us. But again, we're how Steve ran things. I think although we were losing, I felt like we were all very close and we were, as Enrique said, you know, we're suffering together. Um, and there you go, moving to the first team. And I know there was a moment where you shared with your, your family, your parents, where you took them out to dinner. Just kind of talk to me about yeah. how special that was. I was literally just going to call them and tell them the good news. But my wife was like, no, no, no. Like you have to do something really sweet for them, you know? <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I called my brothers first i was like you guys want to go to dinner tonight and they're like we can't you know they have other stuff to do just complain so i just told them like down the spot and they didn't believe me they're like seriously like that's crazy i sent them pictures of the jersey and they're like you know they were just proud and like mind blown you know so then i called my mom and dad and i was like hey do you guys want to meet megan and i up for for dinner tonight they're like yeah like yeah that sounds awesome parents always excited to see you again so we went to dinner and I brought a little gift bag and I put my jersey in there with my last name. I had my number and all that, the LAFC jersey. And then we get there, hug, and I was like, hey, I got you guys a present, like a little something, just playing it casual. My mom opens it and she sees the jersey and she couldn't believe it, right? But my dad was still confused. <laughs> he thought I was just giving him a Vegas jersey. So he was looking at it and he's like, that's nice. <laughs> Not like, another one, dude. No, yeah, he was like, that's nice. <laughs> And then my dad like sees the badge. I don't know why he didn't notice the color difference because you can't mistake a Vegas jersey for another yeah. one. But he was like, holy shit, are you serious? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like it happened. It literally just happened a few hours ago. He cried, he melted down, he gave me a hug. And my mom was crying too. Like they were just proud, you know, yeah. because again, they were with me through those journeys. You know, my wife was crying at the same time, mm. you know. So it's just, it was nice to have those three people that are extremely important in my life share that moment with yeah. me and just kind of see everything come to flourishing. So that, that year, right? I don't know. Every time there's a new opportunity and you step up a level, there's a little bit of that imposter syndrome. Did you have any of that? Not really. I kind of just was thrilled to be there, man. I was thrilled to be there and I wanted to work hard and, you know, like get the rhythm of it all. And it's just, it's still kind of hitting you at the same time. You're like, dang, like, it's crazy. It's my, my life now and stuff. And you go through little bumps in the road. Like my option was denied, even though I thought I was going to be picked up. Then I was back with Vegas. And then I got brought up again last year during the championship season. So it was great. You know, it was a bunch of highs and lows. It was awesome. And then now it was just a great feeling of, coming into this season fully with them. So yeah. it, was, it was a great experience. Yeah, I kind of want to go back real quick to that first year with LAFC and describe to me, because I know you got your first minutes, which, and if it was planned, I'm sure you would have <laughs> you would have said great, uh, Atlanta United mm -hmm. in their stadium. Yeah. What was that like playing in front of, what, 70,000 people? Um, yeah, it was a lot of people. I'm not sure how much, but it can fit a lot of people. <laughs> you're warming up. People get their name called, you're like, you turn, you're like, oh shit, okay, not me, whatever, keep warming up, whatever. And then all of a sudden, they were like, Danny, you're going in. I don't, I think I was nervous in a, in a great way. You know, I wasn't like scared to mess up. I was just like, awesome, like, this is gonna be great. Full circle. Yeah, exactly, full circle. Like, this is awesome. I actually had some friends come out to that game that lived by there. So that was nice. And it was, we've known them since I was little. It was like an unreal experience. You know, it was definitely something I won't forget. I think actually during that game, my wife, she bought a frame 
for your for my jersey before I even got off the field. Oh my god. She was like, yeah. She and then she texted me. She was like freaking out, like, oh my god, you made your debut. Congratulations. She's like, save that jersey because we're hanging it up. And like, so it was just like a great experience to see that my first minutes, and mm-hmm. it was awesome. Now you get a taste, and then yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know how many games later, but then you make your first start with LAFC against Austin. Yeah. Another amazing stadium, by the way. It was awesome. Yeah. It's probably copy and paste of LAFC. It looks like yeah. It. <laughs> but how was that? Uh, did your family go to that game? Uh, no, no. I mean. Okay. There was just, I mean, it's too far. Sure. You know I mean, yeah. But yeah, it was away in Austin. So I knew I was getting a start and I was excited, a little nervous, but it was great. We won that game. So it was a great experience. It was a battle. Now I've started, you know, it's not saying it's going to be a regular thing, but it was great that I got to experience that. Anything changed with your, with your preparation going into that game? No, I didn't want to change anything. Same. I was very adamant on that. I didn't want to overreact about the scenario. So I just wanted to keep how I do my things chill relax cup of coffee like yeah just kind of keep it as normal as possible so that my brain thinks you know this is just another game and you've been here before Mm -hmm. just do your thing yeah that's great man i think that's uh, a lot of people can get caught up with something new they want to try something new and create a new identity because of the new opportunity well look you go from nothing to something and then now you're probably thinking okay i've created a little bit of momentum coming into that first season with steve your option, you said, gets denied. Yeah. What, I mean, was that a, a shock to you based on what was Yeah, happening? so it was like season had just ended. My I got a new agent now who I still work with today. I was having conversations and stuff, and, you know, everything was looking positive. It was obviously no guarantees because that's soccer is no guarantees for sure. I just go into my meeting with Bob Bradley and the other coaching staff in the year meeting, and, you know, I just thought it was going to be, you know, we thought you did this good, this bad, this what you can prove. And I think, honestly, at that time, already, you know, there was soccer players know things before everyone else, but there was obviously talk that he might be leaving. It wasn't official yet or anything like that, but there was obviously conversations. And then I just step into that meeting and then he just tells me like, oh, we're not picking up your option. Wow. Like that, like a high to a low real quick. And I was just shocked actually two days before that because we thought we were staying. My wife and I had just moved into our first apartment together, like alone in Seal Beach because we thought I was going to stay here again. I was obviously sad. Because I thought I was, I did really well. I played a lot of the games when I came in, and obviously plenty of stuff for me to work on. But it was, I joined mid-season. You know, mm-hmm. like I was still getting the rhythm of everybody and of the game of understanding. And you know, it is what it is, and it sucked. And then from there, like you said, like who's the head coach of LFC? Because then two days after that, I think we found out that Bob was leaving. Mm-hmm. So it was also like, okay, like why did he have that conversation with us? But you know, whatever the, the logistics aren't up to us. And yeah, it was kind of okay, do I move around? Because I think my wife as well was just about to finish her master's, Mm -hmm. but she needed to stay at the job that she was, you know, to accumulate certain hours. So, you know, you think about more than just yourself. Like, again, it's we're a team now, so I have to think about both of us. So I was like, okay, do I move to another USL? Is Vegas going to be a thing with LAFC again? So once we got that confirmation, I think that's what we decided to do. You know, give my wife time to finish her master's. It's still a great chance for me to prove myself again, which I, I didn't mind doing. So I just, you know, took the gamble and, and battled it out. And then I got brought up again last year mm-hmm. and that was great. And then this year now it's completely like official with them the whole year. So it's, yeah. it's been a journey. It's, it's been nice. Yeah. One question to you that I've always wanted to know from a player's perspective, like what don't people understand and really get when it comes to the first team and second team? Like you're training a lot of times with the first team mm-hmm. and that's like very frequent. And then you were our captain. 
for Vegas. So I think for myself, Steven and Enrique, it was difficult to like, oh, how's Danny going to manage being a captain, maybe not being as familiar with some of these players because he's always with the first team. So how did you, I guess, manage your almost, uh, not bottom at the, at the at LAFC, but like you're not in the t- you know top 18? Then yeah. you come to us and then you are our guy, our leader, our voice, the guy who galvanizes the team. So how was that managed? I remember it was very tough at the beginning because at least my first year with Vegas, I was complete with Vegas and then I was complete with LAFC. You know, that's how it was. I knew I was going to preseason with LAFC the whole preseason. So I did that. And then I was training with them probably, what, 90% of like the year. But I play every game with Vegas. And I felt awkward in a sense of, okay, these guys are like, this guy doesn't even train with us. And then all of a sudden he's playing games with us. And they're a great group of guys. Like I know all of them. We love them. We had it bonded well. Coaching staff, everybody treated me well. It was great. It was just for me, how can I lead them if I'm not there every day with them? Like, you know, they don't see me every day, familiar face and had conversations with Enrique about it. And he was like, look, that's just your scenario that I know it's tough. It's awkward. And that's just the situation. But players have to understand your situation as well, as well as the coaches. Like, we trust you. So we need you. Like, they need to trust you in a sense. And I mean, the players were great, though. Like, the players were awesome. And like, we're best buds and stuff. So it made that very easy for me to to take that role. And they did a great job of letting me be that role and also supporting me when I needed it. And it was kind of that understanding. So it was great. But I'm sure it's it's tough, though, right? Because you have, again, you're training with the first team all the time, but you're not a contracted first team player. So like that in itself is a little bit of a tease. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, like, Damn. it was an interesting dynamic. Yeah, like you said, like I wasn't, I was with them every day. So I, you do feel like you belong with the team, and then you, know, I get brought up on the loans and stuff, and you know, I'm with them every training. I was with them all the way till training with them in the MLS Cup final, like all the whole stretch, the whole time, you know. So it was just awkward because the players felt like I belonged as well, coaches and stuff. It's just. On paper, like, mm-hmm. I guess you're not officially. Like, the loans do make me a part of the team, don't get me wrong. But it's like, you know, where am I? It's like a little yeah. gray area. It was easier to manage just because, you know, the coaching staff with Steve, Ante, Mark, all of them, Oka, they did a good job. of. They are all similar in the sense of they want everyone to feel like family. And the players are the same way as well. So that made it easier. For example, um, you know, they always wanted me to be there with the team in the locker room and the talks, conversations, train through the playoffs mm. and enjoy the championship with them as well because they understand that I, I was a part of the group. So it, it helped having those people around me feel like, look, I know it's not on paper, on contract and stuff, but you are like they treated me as one of them. And it was that was really great yeah. feeling because that's what I felt as well. You know, I felt part of both teams and it was great to have two teams that included me in their journey like yeah. throughout the season so it was great so you felt the sense of pride when you guys when they won the championship it was oh like, yeah it was, i was ecstatic yeah i was ecstatic and i was on the field with the guys were cheering it was just like great you know and stuff and you know some guys said some nice words to me as well so it's just it was awesome yeah awesome and then experience. that off season now i think again you are is it you have a little bit more clarity on your situation where was it still uh, i'm still not sure where i'm going next like right after the season ended? Yeah, you know, season's ends. I'm sure John and, and Steve and everybody wanted to celebrate a little bit. It's an Yeah, of time. course. Yeah. yeah. So after season, yeah, like at that time, I had already, my agent was already feeling things out elsewhere just to, you know, get a step ahead on the next year. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had a wife, so we were getting married in the off season. And so like, okay, where are we going to go? So I already had like a pretty good idea of where I was going to go 
but also with LAFC, we, we agreed to have a conversation after season in the sense of I was just with them the whole year. So mm-hmm. I felt it wouldn't be right for me to go somewhere else without having a conversation in-house first. Of course. You know, the end of the year meetings and stuff. And that transpired to, you know, a few talks. And then obviously I was waiting for them to finish their MLS season. Didn't want to distract the coaching staff and front office with my situation. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But Steve was very understanding of my situation. So that was also great. And then, yeah. And then just like after season, we had that talk. I didn't really know what was going to come from it. And then, yeah, they were like, we're going to, we want you back like full time next year. So it was yeah. kind of that. I thought I was going to go somewhere else. So kind of this little gray area. What's going on with LAFC? Because I didn't want to be disrespectful and make a decision before, um, you know, just having that talk with them. Which is very hard, by um, the way. I feel like yeah. uh, when you're in that gray area, yeah. uh, you almost feel like I need to take control of my own life. I can't just be sitting here waiting for a phone call. Exactly. And I'm sure your wife and it was probably in your ear as well. Like, look, I again, <sighs> be patient. Be patient. It's yeah. My wife, she was kind of like, all right, where are we going? What's going on? <laughs> like, you know, what's going on? And I was trying to tell her to be patient because you know, um, oh, the rules. She just yeah, she loves to know like yeah. stuff. You know, she, they uh, you know, women just love stability, and of that's complete. I mean, everyone does, but women more in general like to know what's going on you know at least for my wife's case mm-hmm. she does you know and um so she said what's going on this this and that and i was like look like i don't know yet you know these are the options like i've talked to her about every option pretty clearly and we had decided what was best for us already we just needed that wait with lafc and it's not always easy on the other teams that are waiting on your answer but to be fair there were great clubs that were very understanding mm-hmm. they're very understanding very professional and with, with me the whole way I ended up obviously staying with LAFC and they completely understood that and we ended on really great terms and you know so it was, it was good to at least have those people that I was dealing with yeah. be professional about the whole situation so that helped a lot. Yeah. That's great. Uh, full circle now you're a married man you are still living yeah. in in your hometown or mm-hmm. here in Los Angeles your family's still close by what is your goal for this season? Just to get as many minutes as possible. You know, I want the team to be successful, most importantly. But my job is now it's, you know, the past two years I was 50-50 and now I'm 100% with the team. Mm-hmm. So now I have actually that sense of like, okay, now I'm I'm officially here. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little different. So kind of just work on what Steve needs me to work on. You know, we've, we have conversations. He's pretty upfront, like honest guy about what you need to work on. So my main focus is to work on those aspects of my game that will help me get the most minutes possible there's a lot of games this year as well so there's gonna be lots of rotation and i just have to stay like ready like as much as possible you know it doesn't matter i don't really care right now about being a starter or anything like that obviously i do want to be but that's not what my main focus is you know we have great guys in the midfield very strong group very experienced players so my main focus is just getting better every day stronger making sure that i'm prepared to play as many minutes as you know they need me to so that. that's my focus. All right, Danny. Last question for the day. Come. What is one final thought that you want to leave the viewers and the listeners with? Um, you envision like a dream, you know, or your dream goal, dream job or whatever. And that's what soccer is for me. And it's not always pretty. It's going to be a lot of things in your way. And eventually you need to evaluate, is it worth it or not? You know, there's times where I've doubted myself if, you know, should I just quit? and do something else, you know, what, what am I doing with my life? You know, you hit all these mental things that you don't realize and you deal with so many people that affect your job. And it's like, you're going to face that everywhere you go, whether it's soccer, your job, whatever career you choose, there's going to be things like that. And if you feel it's very worth it, like just, just dig down and work hard at it and make sure you have someone there with you, family, wife, you know, husband, whatever it is, 
that will like support you, but also keep you realistic, like in yourself. Mm-hmm. And you need that good balance. You know, you can't have a bunch of people that just are always like going with the flow with you. You need someone who's gonna. Why are you thinking like that if it's like this? Or like, no, this is actually the reality of the situation. And it's, I think if you want to just be successful and happy, which I feel like I am now, you know, obviously there's plenty more I can work on and improve on. But um, I think what's helped me in my journey so far is just having that stability in my in my support and just having that mindset of, you know what, like there's going to be so many things that are going to go wrong and I can only control what I can control. And that's what, I need to focus on. Amen, man. I think to that point, I think a lot of people lean on others in the in a good sense, in, in the way of when they need that support, they they get it from those people. But also too, people want to support people who want it more than I want it for you. Yeah. So continue to push forward, but at the same time too, like you said, have that hunger, have a process. And once you have that process, slowly start to chip away at it and try to, I guess, optimize, uh, refine it. And then once you kind of have that finished piece, which will never be finished, but Every time you step on the field, you should be as close to the finished product as possible. Exactly. Um, so, Danny, I think I appreciate you coming on, man. And hopefully this season is nothing nothing but success and hopefully another championship. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, Danny. Take care. Take care.